You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Recorded by Douglas W. Taylor, Port Townsend, Washington, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Doug actor. Astounding Stories 15, March 1931, by Various. The Phalanxes of Atlans, Chapter 9. It would have taken no trained eye to observe that something very unusual had happened in Atlans. Some of Heliopolis' many wide streets were quite deserted, save for several small, bright red cat-like reptiles that the Atlanteans sheltered as pets. But in other thoroughfares, large throngs of people milled uneasily about while listening to the impassioned harangue of black-robed priests. Everywhere business was at a standstill, shops were closed, and markets tenantless. Riding at an easy, hopping gallop, the aviators urged their green, scaly mounts to the side of Hero Giles, for here and there some wandering citizens, spying the Americans, would yell shrill curses and shake their fists. Reining in, Nelson demanded to know the reason for this unaccountable hostility. "'Tis the work of our gentle and holy priests,' explained Hero Giles with a hard laugh. "'They have told the populace ye are magicians.' seeking to set other gods above Poseidon. Nonsense, rapped the American, looking about uneasily. We've never given two thin dams about anything, except getting back to our plane. So I know, was the Atlantean's preoccupied reply, but the spawn of Heracles' temples speak loud, and the loutish populace hearkens to their lies. But what the devil is all this revolt about? broke in Alden. Why were we arrested? You started to tell us at the prison. Hero Giles frowned as he pulled his podoko into a gracefully carved gateway of green marble. There's but little to add, for tis all very simple. The priests have laid impious hands on his splendor Altorius and imprisoned him in the great temple of Poseidon. We nobles have defied the archpriest, for the dog-conceived Jeroboam already marshals his forces for a fresh attack, knowing that Atlans is sore beset by internal strife. Have patience, for now we go to the council chamber, where ye shall hear everything. To say that the newcomers found the council of nobles in a furor would be to put it mildly. Their angry voices carried far down the beautifully ornamented corridors of the imperial palace, which was used as headquarters. "'Sounds like a dogfight going on in there,' muttered Alden anxiously. "'Don't like the sound of it a bit. I hope they feel kindly towards us.' Nelson, swinging along with his ragged shirt fluttering like a scarecrow's, nodded. "'Yes, so do I. But I guess they need our help, or Hero Giles wouldn't have risked his life to save us.' Conscious of the value of appearances, the dark-haired aviator unconsciously straightened his frayed black tie, buttoned the sleeves of his khaki flannel shirt, and otherwise made pathetic attempts at improving his appearance as the clamor of wrangling voices grew loud down the corridor. His wide shoulders swinging to his stride, Hero Giles flung open a door, beautifully wrought with leaping podokos, and halted on the threshold. Death! 
rumbled a voice from inside. I say death to the wanderers. Let us make our peace with the priests, lest they slay his splendor forthwith. And that's what I call a nice friendly greeting, was Alden's murmured comment. Better get your gat handy, Vic. I'll bet they've got a reception committee of retortii men behind the door. There was no time for Nelson to reply, because now the threshold was at hand. Inside, seated at a table, he had an impression of perhaps ten or fifteen scarred and angry-looking veteran nobles, whose green cloaks and bejeweled armor revealed their high rank. In mid-dispute they halted, eyeing the three figures in the doorway with curiously conflicting expressions. Some smiled a relieved welcome, some stared in surprise, but not a few greeted the Americans with lowering brows and angry, threatening eyes. Harken, Hero Giles greeted them. By Poseidon's grace, the wanderers were saved from a vile death. Rise, heroes, and bid them welcome. Ah, the wanderers! In an instant, Hero John was wringing Nelson's hand. Oh, blessed hour! I had feared for ye both. Welcome, Hero Alden. A faint flush crept over the young man's wan and trouble-lined face. "'Tis well ye've come,' he whispered. "'The council was prepared to change their intent towards ye.' A grizzled, one-eyed prince arose, and, leveling an accusing forefinger at Nelson, shouted, "'Tis he hath caused the rebellion. Slay him!' "'Nay!' thundered Hero Giles, and forget not, Hero Paul, I am senior prince of Atlans. In the great white marble council chamber silence fell, while from wonderfully carved ivory and gold chairs the harassed yellow-bearded princes regarded the two uneasy Americans. Hearken, Hero Giles, rasped another dark-browed officer in a plain, much-dented red breastplate. I side with Paul. Away with them, I say. Time is too precious. Do not the dark hordes of Jeroboam beat back our frontiers? Hero Giles glowered and sat bolt upright in his chair, a strange, disordered figure among his gorgeously robed and armored peers. Thou art ever a hothead. I prithee pause a moment. Remember how the dark-haired wanderer once aided our imprisoned emperor, whom Poseidon protect. Perchance Hero Nelson and his friend once more can aid us in this, our hour of need. A chorus of variously opined voices broke out, while Nelson, with an eye to possible violence, stood ready. Silence, Sarah. The fierce old veteran banged a powerful fist on a golden dolphin head, forming his chair arm. This idle wrangling accomplishes naught, and a thousand weighty matters await our attention. Is it true the phalanxes of Trekka have risen for the priests? Before Hero Giles could reply, a stalwart guard at the door flung it open to admit a dust and sweat bathed courier who, darting forward, flung himself at Hero Giles' no less dusty feet. While the yellow haired prince started back muttering in amazement, the runner raised a shaking hand. Woe! "'Woe to Atlans!' he panted. "'Jarmuthian retortii men have crossed the boiling river. "'Sierum is fallen. "'Its garrison is drenched in clouds of fungus gas. "'But a handful escaped.' "'Speak on, is that all?' "'A terribly intent expression crept over the aquiline faces around the council table. 
Nay, spare thy servant, begged the green-kilted courier, raising sweaty, imploring hands. I... I dare not. Speak, snarled Hero Giles, his blue eyes terribly lit. Speak, else thy carcass shall be flung to the pteranodons. Wild-eyed, the fellow blinked fearfully about. The grim-lipped nobles edged closer. Nelson, realizing all that lay at stake, watched intently, conscious that Alden was now by his side. I, I, her sacred holiness, Altara! The messenger's red face twitched, and he choked, as in terror. Altara! The name re-echoed weirdly from a dozen dry throats, and Nelson saw the skin suddenly pale and tighten over Hero John's face. "'What of the divine Altara, fool?' he thundered in a dreadful, shaken monotone. "'Of those foul swine of Jarmuth dead?' "'Forgive, O hero!' cried the groveling courier, his long red hair sweeping the marble floor. "'The dog-sire Jereboam hath made proclamation in Jezreel "'that the sacred virgin is doomed to perish on the altar of Beelzebub, "'their demon god, in two days' time.' "'What?' The great marble-walled chamber was shaken by an unearthly outcry as horror and rage struggled for mastery in the circle of tense faces surrounding the momentarily forgotten aviators. Bedlam broke loose while Hero Giles sat as though stunned, staring on the shivering runner at his feet. Nelson, very much on the alert, could see that the announcement of Altara's impending death had produced nothing short of a cataclysm in the plans of the council. Like men paralyzed by electric shocks, the yellow-bearded veterans and nobles sat stupefied, frozen in their last gesture. Then, in the midst of their silent despair, came the sound of a curious high-pitched horn that had in its note something of the eerie wail of a fire siren. The effect was magical, for the nobles sprang up, hands on sword hilts and eyes, searching the corridor. "'The priests!' gasped a short, broad-shouldered noble at Atorius' left. "'By Poseidon, tis the fanfare of the Heracles himself!' Then, indeed, did the council glower, for, as Nelson soon learned, Heracles was the moving spirit and evil genius of that priestly party which had dared to imprison the emperor again the horn wailed its warning of the archpriest's approach whereat a stalwart hoplite in green painted armor clanked in saluted stiffly and waited for hero giles instructions bid the old man enter directed the prince at last tell the greybeard he has naught to fear if he comes alone otherwise bid him return to his kennel in the temples. A moment after the hoplite had vanished, there appeared in the doorway a tall, emaciated old man, on whose silvery head was set a curious golden mitre, ending in the shape of a wondrously bejeweled trident. The curious Americans noted that the archpriest's robes were as black as his evilly glittering eyes, and were embroidered with curious cabalistic symbols done in silver thread. In his withered hand, Heracles carried a ceremonial trident, the mark of the head priest of Poseidon. As though wary of advancing, the archpriest paused in the doorway, 
not three feet from where Nelson stood, poised for action. Deeper grew the silence of disaster, while the American furiously searched his mind for some means of thwarting the death in store for him and his companion. By chance, a word of Hero Giles recurred. The Pteranodons. But in the devil was a Pteranodon. He turned sidewise to Alden, who stood, hands in the pocket of his leather jacket, also thinking deeply. Dick, he whispered, you studied paleontology at college. Do you remember what a Pteranodon was? What? The younger aviator seemed to make a definite effort to return to the present. A Pteranodon. I'm not sure, Vic, but I think it was a kind of flying reptile related to the pterodactyl group. He could go on no further, for Heracles, the archpriest, raised his snowy head suddenly, his eyes blazing. To save Atlans in her hour of trial, we will demand that you deliver to us the Wanderers. They shall die as an offering to Ares, god of war. Perchance he will preserve us. The archpriest's deep-set and glittering eyes swept with venomous hatred the two calm-featured aviators, who looked very plain and unromantic in their flying jackets and khaki surge. We, familiars of the gods, herewith demand that the blasphemers perish on the war god's altar, else shall ye all die and be loved of the gods. And we do your bidding, "'Will ye give us back his splendor?' demanded Hero Giles. "'Nay, we priests do not bargain like hucksters.' Risking all, Nelson muttered a swift aside to Alden. "'How big were those pteranodons? "'Some species had a wingspread of twenty-five feet.' The muscular pilot's mouth closed into a firm, colorless line as he nodded and glanced at the vindictive old man who was by now white with fury. Up sprang a good three-quarters of the nobles present and turned on the grim figure at the head of the board. "'Surrender the wanderers!' they shouted. "'We demand it!' In another instant the death sentence would have been forced on Hero Giles, but Victor Nelson leapt forward, pistol menacing the raging gray-bearded priest. "'Listen, all of you!' he shouted in deep tones that were strangely authoritative. "'Beware, foolish princes, how you threaten us. Great is our knowledge and power. You've seen that already. Even now the other wanderer and I can save or ruin Atlans as we wish. Have ye forgotten the battle by Lake Copias?' The princes, furious at the American's defiance, half rose, hand on sword hilt, but sank back at a swift, menacing gesture from Nelson's pistol. "'What sayest thou, mad fellow?' screeched the archpriest, his black eyes bright as knife-points. "'Save Atlans!' Fierce questioning was in his somber, sunken eyes. "'I said,' repeated Nelson, that if we choose, we can yet save your Altara and the Emperor from death. Impossible! He is mad! shouted Paul, the one-eyed hero. Not the gods themselves could rescue Altara from the claws of the demon Beelzebub. The nearest nobles flung themselves back in their chairs and snarled threats of all kinds as they gripped their sword-hilts. 
At this point, the scarred veteran officer who had spoken before broke in, his face menacing. Believe not this liar, O hero Giles. He speaks with a tongue made bold by fear. He promises that which he cannot accomplish. Had Victor Nelson had time to reflect upon the weirdness of the plan he had evolved, he would probably have silently admitted that his grizzled accuser was more than a little justified. But as it was, he smiled serenely. From all sides rose a threatening shout. Let the blasphemers be sacrificed. Ares will protect us. His yellow brows knit. Hero Giles wavered. But as he hesitated, there ran through a great circular window a distant yet menacing shout. Down with Altorius the unlucky! Down with the sons of Hudson! Give back to the ancient gods their sacred virgin! Hail to Ares! Death to the wanderer! Death! Death! Drowning out these ominous cries, there came from below the window the brazen clang of trumpets, and the clank of many armored men hurrying forward. Presently the mob's outcry grew fainter, but still the cries of death could be heard. It was a tense moment. Would Hero Giles remain friendly? With poignant anxiety, Nelson watched that disheveled martial head sink forward in perplexity. Hero Giles, he warned in a low voice, you'd better trust us. You're risking nothing. Slowly, the fierce blue eyes of the veteran rose, and, meeting the level gray ones of the aviator, lingered there, as though asking a question. Suddenly, reaching a determination, he rose to his feet and addressed the triumphantly grinning archpriest, who tightly clutched his trident wand with thin, blue-veined fingers. Hearken, black crow of a priest, who has dared lay foul hands on his splendor, the emperor. This is my reply. Show me how ye will rescue Altara. Otherwise be gone, my hand itches for the sword. A deep silence fell, while Heracles glowered helplessly, then shrewdly avoided the trap. This is blasphemy, he croaked, and raised a quivering forefinger in solemn warning. Woe to thee, hero Giles! Woe to the people! Fear the wrath of the gods! Cheer not, ye nobles! Heracles stormed on. Be not deceived by lies. I bid thee deliver these magicians to Ares, god of war. A nasty moment. Nelson's heart drummed as he gazed down at the row of uneasy, warlike faces. But Hero Giles proved the strength of his heritage. Back went his patrician head. He drew himself up to full height and stared coldly upon the black-robed priest who, nothing daunted, gave back look for look. Nay, we keep them. They will bear out their promise. I give ye good day, O oh, holiness. Quivering with rage, Heracles raised his withered hand in anathema. Then... Perish, blind spawn of Hudson! 
Verily shall ye all die under the torture. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Then, amid a strained silence, pregnant of distrust and disaster, the old man wheeled and stalked out. As he watched the departure, color drained from the Atlantean prince's haggard features. Ah, he observed bitterly, ever have these black crows feasted on our land and ever as birds of ill omen. He turned and, with a weary sigh, surveyed the group of loyal but anxious souls. I thank ye, but ye still do my bidding and help to save our sovereign lord. Out flashed the swords of a dozen odd nobles as they raised the hoarse ringing cry of Altorius, Altorius Supreme. A little later, Nelson, before a very mistrustful gathering composed of Hero Giles, Hero John, and two or three other veterans, traced the barest outline of his plan. You understand. I'm to be taken to the border as a prisoner. Then, in plain sight of the enemy lines, the guards must maltreat me and turn me loose. The aviator searched one after another of the brutal warlike faces, while Hero Giles translated for the benefit of two Atlantean generals who did not speak the royal language. Are you positive, Alden demanded of Hero John, that this revolution in Atlans will die out if Altares returned? Yes, a thousand times yes, the prince's fine eyes gleamed with savage enthusiasm. With the sacred virgin restored to Atlans, new courage will come into the phalanxes, the priests will cease their outcries against them. Then, with the help of the blue maxima vapor, we will rend the dog-begotten followers of Jereboam limb from limb. All right. Nelson's wiry, khaki-clad body bent far over the table. Remember, Hero Giles, that part of the fighting's up to you. When I'm gone, you'll do exactly what Alden tells you. Now one thing more. What part of the border is still unquestionably loyal? Hero Giles frowned and shrugged his armor-clad shoulders a little helplessly beneath the splendid cloak of imperial green. The gods alone know, but at the third division of this morning, Maida and Thebes still vowed their loyalty. Tis there are quartered the phalanxes of the imperial guards. They alone can I trust to the death. All right. Bending over a huge parchment map of the valley, Nelson nodded, and his keen black eyes became very serious. I want you to concentrate every man you can muster in each of those cities. Meanwhile, tell the populace, he drew a deep breath, that Altara will certainly be returned to them. Art thou sure? broke in the scarred veteran in the dented breastplate. Then, his brow dark with doubt, he engaged Hero Giles and the rest in a heated, low-voiced colloquy. Alden stepped near, an anxious frown on his unshaven features. Think this idea of yours is surefire? No, Nelson's lean head shook. I'm far from sure. It's a wild gamble at best. But we can't be any worse off than we are now. 
If the priests went out, we're sunk and no mistake about it. But there's a fighting chance my idea could be brought off. Now look here, objected the younger pilot tensely. What's this rot about your going into Jarmuth alone? How do you know they won't skin you alive once you're over the border? I don't, admitted his friend, shrugging slightly. But I don't see there's anything but to take the risk. If I don't go over there, sure as shooting. We're going to feed some damn unpleasant kind of beast here in Atlans. Hero John, who seemed familiar with the mechanism, turned a lever, whereupon the disc commenced to spin like a pie plate on a dance floor. Faster and faster it spun, silently gathering speed each second, while a low humming sound filled the chamber. Gradually, the outline of the whirling disc commenced to brighten, tinting the scar-seamed, craggy features of the Atlantean generals and picking glorious glowing lights from the jewels on Hero Giles' wonderfully engraved breastplate. Ah, Hero John turned a small dial. The crystal warms. Look, O oh wanderers! Nelson rubbed his eyes incredulously, for in the heart of the shimmering circle had materialized the outline of a room, with walls of yellow marble. Well, I'm damned, gasped Alden. See how it flickers. As the revolving disk of crystal gained top speed, the flickering subsided, and a picture, clearer than most photographs, could be seen in the center. A wondrously slender, yellow-haired young girl, clad in Grecian robes of pale blue, sat in deep despond upon a plain wooden couch with a black-haired servant kneeling before her, apparently lacing sandals on her tiny, pink-hued feet. "'Bring closer the face,' snapped Hero Giles gruffly. Gradually the focus changed like the close-up of a movie camera, until in the center of the madly whirling disc could be seen in minute detail and living color the face of an indescribably lovely girl. Whew muttered Nelson, staring in silent amazement. No wonder they want her back. She makes Ziegfeld's little girls look like Armenian refugees. He cast a sideways glance, but Alden had apparently not heard him. The younger American stood, gazing with rapturous joy at the girl. Ay, ay, the two veteran generals uttered stifled groans, and one of them drew a hand across his eyes. Poseidon, save her, I preserve the fair Altara. Wouldst thou not doubly save her now? demanded Hero John in a low voice that bespoke his anguish. He seemed suddenly older than the grim, helmeted veterans to either side. You bet. I guess a man sees a face like that only once in a lifetime. And now, Nelson continued with an effort to return to the practical, there's no time to be lost, so I'd just like to take a look at those pteranodons of yours. A few minutes later, the two aviators found themselves nearing a lofty structure which adjoined the Imperial Palace. It was constructed along the lines of an immense aviary. Between beautiful glistening ionic columns of white marble gleamed bronze bars set at regular intervals to prevent the escape of the most appalling creatures which could ever have skimmed the air. 
"'What in the devil is your idea?' demanded Alden, taking her back. "'God, look at the loathsome brutes!' Some of these huge flying reptiles were hopping awkwardly over the ground, picking at bones and refuse, littering the floor with long pelican-like bills, which were, however, very much thicker than those of pelicans, and set with sharp teeth at least six inches along. "'Not very pretty, are they? Kind of look like huge bats,' commented Nelson thoughtfully. "'Wonder if they could be handled.' "'Yes, their wings are leathery. Look at em up yonder!' Alden pointed to the roof of that immense aviary where, hanging head downwards like gigantic bats, must have been hundreds upon hundreds of the pteranodons. One of them, whistling oddly, fluttered up to the bars, affording the wanderers an excellent view of a loathsome head, the back of which ended in a curious sort of horn that, projecting backwards, jutted far above its rear. Fierce vermilion eyes with green irises glared at the Americans through the bars, and great wings of greasy-looking leather fanned a disgusting stench from the interior of the aviary. "'Sweet little things,' was Alden's comment. "'God, imagine having one of those great things swooping down on you!' Hey, Alden, look at that big devil over there. He must have a wing spread of thirty feet. Big as a moth plane, isn't he? For answer, the pteranodon clattered its vast beak savagely. One of the generals stooped, and catching up a huge slab of meat from a basket nearby, hurled it through the bars into the gaping jaws. What would ye with these creatures? demanded Hero Giles with undisguised curiosity. "'You'd be surprised.' Nelson was not deliberately rude, but his mind was wrapped up in the daring project he had evolved. "'I want a couple of the biggest of these caught and set aside in a courtyard where there will be no one looking on. If your people can train and handle podokos and allosauri, I guess a couple of Yanks ought to be able to manage these flying nightmares.' So don't you worry about us. Hero Giles uttered a grim, significant laugh. Thou hadst best manage them. I note yonder Pteranodon is in need of nourishment. End of chapter 9 Recorded by Douglas W. Taylor Port Townsend, Washington Thank you, everyone, for being patient for these these uh, current and upcoming episodes. Uh, had a rash of sickness and uh, family issues currently, and yeah. So uh, I, I I now present you with uh, March and early April on People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. We would also like to welcome Gretchen Martin uh, to the cast of People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. She is, our, I don't know, I, I, I guess uh, one of our, our, our other horror movie experts in uh, comics uh, and uh, uh, manga and uh, a lot of uh, other stuff. And, yeah, no, no. Uh, so, welcome, Gretchen, and check us out on People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos 
at pgttcm, pgttcm.com, at pgttcm.com. Uh, just search any of those. You'll find us eventually. <laughs> We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, um, Instagram, and Gretchen's on Gretchen is Weird, I believe, on Instagram. So check her out. Uh, Dave's Corner of the Universe is Dave's website. Uh, he's not linking anything from us to him, but we link to him. So check out his past articles. Give him some love. Maybe he'll write some more stuff. All right. Thank you, everyone. And... Uh, if you like this show, share it. Let other people know that you like it. Uh, let me know if you like it. Uh, you can contact us at pgttcm at gmail.com. If you S-A-S-E us a envelope, we will send you some stickers or something. And yeah... So, thank you. Contact, uh, message me for uh, uh, address. And uh, we'll talk to you in the future. And uh, keep, keep, keep it weird. Stay squiggly. And, uh, yeah. <laughs>